So Fitzroy, you've caught on already that we're kind of going back a little bit. If you're a visitor, we're going through John's gospel, the gospel according to John, should I say. And um, 1010 is our kind of branding. 1010 being the branding of Fitzroy simply because it's the minister's birthday. 1010. I thought, why not get that on all the youth sweatshirts and all the kids' sweatshirts? Because then they'll remember, maybe. But 10.10 is this verse right in the middle of what Colin has just read from us. John chapter 10 and verse 10. That probably for me was the crucial turning point in my life where I as a 17 year old wanted exactly what it says in that verse. Life in all its fullness. Life more abundantly. And decided as it says in the verse that Jesus was the one who came to bring that. It's our logo. It's our mission statement in Fitzroy. We want to be 1010 in worship, 1010 in mission, 1010 in pastoral care, 1010 in spiritual formation and discipleship. So I thought I would go back because after all that, Jonathan got that particular passage and probably just look because we're looking for a committee at the moment, maybe at Fitzroy and its vision. But then over the course of the week, I got into this passage and there's a few other things that need to be said, I think. I think this is crucial. What is God's intention towards humanity? I think it's here. Why did Jesus come to earth in the incarnation? I think it's here. What is the cross all about? I think it's here. What does the resurrection herald in? I think it's here. What is the practical purpose of grace in our lives? I think it's here. Why come out to Fitzroy on a Sunday morning, or get involved in a church community, I think it's here. On Tuesday morning at 3.30, I will take a bus AM, that is, to Dublin. I'm off to America for 10 days. And I'm doing various things in America, kind of blending some of that music, uh, theology stuff that I've been doing there for uh, a long number of years, and also now uh, Clonard Fitzroy, Four Corners, Reconciliation, etc., uh, etc. Et and uh, last week, I'm, I'm going to Birmingham, Alabama. I'll not be there until next Sunday, but I'm, that's the main thing. I'm going to Birmingham, Alabama because every Lent they do uh, Lent lunches. So you, there's a half hour, uh, pretty much an evangelistic kind of service, a uh, bit of worship, but mainly a 15 to 20 minute address. Um, for the business community around about the, the, the Cathedral of Advent that I'm going to. Don't ask me how I got in there because they're um, following me the last time was the Bishop of Liverpool and all kinds of important people, but uh, I book a new two and it's amazing what you can achieve. And um, so I've been back now. This is my third trip there in 10 years to do these. I do three days, but they do it right the way through with guest speakers. And so this year again, uh, <clears throat> I'm doing um, a little bit of the, the U2 theology because that's why they bring me. So please them if you can. And um, somebody said, I've decided to do the series in McCracken uh, when I'm there in the next few weeks. And somebody said to me last week, who's the new U2? And I pr- pretty quickly answered Mumford and Sons because actually on Wednesday night in Dayton, the University of Dayton, we are doing the gospel according to Mumford and Sons. And I say that because listen to this quote as we think about John 10.10. This is one of their recent songs. Love, it will not betray you, dismay you, or enslave you. It will set you free. Be more like the man you were made to be. And there is a design, an alignment to cry of my heart to see the beauty of love as it was made 
to be. One of the things in Mumford's music is a lot of darkness and light. A lot of those things that um, take a fragile soul and distract it. But also in the midst of that, this potential for humanity to live humanity as humanity should be lived. Uh, Marcus Mumford's parents set up Vineyard in the UK and there are still major players in that movement. And uh, though Marcus plays very um, ambiguously about faith, if you listen to the music, it's there. The beauty of love as it was made to be. The full potential of life in all its fullness. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full could actually be a description of the work of Mumford and Sons. But it's also the key to the universe. No matter what Bruce Springsteen says, under the hood of an old parked car, the engine of an old parked car, the key to the universe is much bigger than that, Mr. Springsteen. It's here. I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And it's not an isolated thing in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 3. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, the church, what to do? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Fullness again. Life in all its fullness. Where do we find this fullness? We find this fullness in Christ who said that he came to bring life in all its fullness. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Was it not John's intention? In his prologue in chapter 1. In him the word became flesh. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came, he is the life, coming to bring us life. A life that can be birthed within us. Verse 12 of chapter 1. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Our original intention before we reached to become more and ended up less way back in those first few chapters of Genesis. Life in all its fullness. The intention. The Greek word for salvation, sozo, if you look it up, there's, goodness, there's web pages on it. But salvation is not just this deliverance from some kind of eternal damnation. Salvation <clears throat> is exactly what John's talking about, what Christ came to do, what Christ says in these words in John 10.10. 10. Salvation is that we might have life and have life in all its fullness right here and now and on into eternity which is even more amazing wholeness fulfillment what life is meant to be the abundance of life what are humans meant to look like be do it's all here is it not in the person of jesus the paradigm human being who reveals it to us who wins it back for us who bursts through death for resurrection life, that we might have this life in all its fullness. Just a couple of other things. The shepherd in this is important. 
And the good is probably the new nice. Do you remember when you used to write those essays in school? When you used the word nice, your teacher said, nice. It's a nice word. It doesn't really describe it. Find a better describing word to cover nice. Well, actually, the more this week I've read the good shepherd, the more I think that good, no harm to the translation, but in our culture, good is just nice. There's something deeper here. This is the precious shepherd, the perfect shepherd, the brilliant shepherd, the mega shepherd, the awesome shepherd. You can see him getting in the mood for America already. But this idea of the fulfillment of everything, this is the shepherd who comes to lead the flock and to lay down his life for the sheep. Two things that quickly came to me as we think of Fitzroy 1010. What does Fitzroy do to make us as individuals 1010, to make us as a community 1010? What session as shepherds? What's their role? What does Jesus teach us here? Well, there's two things in our missional statement that's right here in the New Testament about the shepherd. Remember back to Luke chapter 15, the lost sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes off for the lost sheep. This desire to be missional. This desire to say we're all right here. Let's go down the road and reach to the people who haven't this life in all its fullness. Or have less of this life in all its fullness than we have. Who are broken and need healed. Who are poor and need to be fed or whatever it might be. Who are lost in the voices that are ringing around them. And here's the voice that can lead them to life in all its fullness, but they don't even know who this Christ is. The shepherd, the shepherd goes after those lost sheep. Jesus talks about it here. People not of this sheep pen, but he's off to widen it, to make it more sizable. And maybe one we insight to you in a story, I think stories, um, Stephen talked there about circumstances, coincidences, and things all working their way together in some kind of uh, transcendent way. Um, you might find, and you might not be aware, but there may be Sunday mornings when I leave the 99 of you sitting in your pews there and I go off on one. Because it might not be you I'm speaking to that morning because I might think, you're all right at the minute, there's somebody else I need to go for. A few years ago we had an event here on a Sunday morning. I'm going to keep it as ambiguous as I can. But I was aware that the event was going to draw some people into the church that don't normally go to church. But there was one person that I knew was coming that morning who'd had a bit of a rough time in life and had lost something of faith. So I knew they were here. I'll be honest with you that morning. I didn't care whether the rest of you heard me or not or whether anything I said was relevant to you. I was after the lost sheep. I wanted to get to that one sheep. And Friday morning... This person, I just happened to be in the same space for the first time in a long time. They drew me to the side and they said, Steve, I don't know whether people tell you this or not, but there was one Sunday, you remember that Sunday I was in Fitzroy? Well, that was the Sunday I came back to faith and now I've got church and I'm involved in church and going to Bible study. I don't care that morning whether any of you has got anything out of it because I trust that you'll be on your journey. But now and again, we've got to be missional. Now and again, we've got to consider those and go for them. Not just in a Sunday service, but in what we do as a community, what we do as individuals. We have to follow the shepherd to be missional because the shepherd was missional. Pastoral, Mark 6.34 or Matthew 9.36. 
He saw that they were sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. Deep sense of compassion in the good shepherd, the brilliant shepherd's ministry. Seeing the people who were broken, seeing the people who needed pastoral care, seeing the need for that. I still say that it's one of the things that we probably don't do to the best. It's the thing that I find the hardest to do, that I'm gifted least to do. But we need as a church to work out how we can better be compassionate and pastorally caring because we're all at times feeling like that sheep without a shepherd. And here in John 10 this week, and it's just before the reading actually in verse 4, was the killer for me, the one that wouldn't let me go, the one that the Holy Spirit kept tugging away at me as I pondered the preparation. The sheep know his voice. Verse 4. They follow him because they know his voice. But as I said at the start of the service, there are so many voices. There's not only so many voices outside of Fitzroy. There are so many voices inside of Fitzroy. What voice? is the voice of Jesus. How do you discern that voice? I wrestle with that on a daily basis. Are there clues as to how we might sieve through the voices to somehow hear the voice of God? Romans 12 and 1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 10-10 worship. Offering your bodies. Not just what we do in singing or in praying or in reading, but 10-10 worship. Offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Hearing his voice. Testing and approving God's voice. Testing and approving God's will. What's the formula for that? The formula for that in Romans 12, Paul says, is offering ourselves to God and giving ourselves up sacrificially. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, following the good shepherd to lay our lives down. And in the laying of our lives down, in the laying of our rights down, in the laying of what we want down, somehow in the midst of sacrificing us, we open ourselves to God. Luke 9. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. The giving up the losing of our lives and our wishes and our desires and our ambitions, that, Jesus says, is where we find life. Life in all its fullness, knowing the voice of the shepherd, we've got to give up our lives. Another few verses that have been going on at me over the course of the last couple of weeks to do with McCracken and here are those verses in Philippians chapter 2. Again, when I say Philippians chapter 2, we might immediately think, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing. The same attitude as that of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. In the context of that, Paul says to the church in Philippi, 
Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of the others. That's where we'll find ourselves aligned with Christ. Not looking to our own interests, but each of us to the interests of others. I call it peripheral vision. David Silva. Or, I dare say it, I dare say it, Wayne Rooney yesterday afternoon. Peripheral vision. Seeing what's going on around. But if you take a good footballer, and Rooney, it was a very individualist bit of genius. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. I think it's a beautiful thing, even if you're not interested in football. And it must be something for me to say Rooney did a beautiful thing. But if you look at the footballers who are the key to the team, they have peripheral vision. They know where everybody else is. They know how to play the ball to the other player to get the best out of the other player. They need peripheral vision. Not looking to their own interests, but looking to the interests of others. How will we in Fitzroy hear God's voice, the shepherd's voice, and know the shepherd's voice? How will we in Fitzroy as individuals and a community live 1010? The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's not just a theology of salvation or atonement. It's an example to the sheep that follow in his path. In these bodies we will live. In these bodies we will die. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. In these bodies we will live. In these bodies we will die. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. Awake, my soul. Awake, my soul. Awake, my soul. You were made to meet your maker. Mumford and Sons again. Do we want life in all its fullness? Because if we do, it's going to cost. Oh, it's free. It's grace. It's unmerited favor. But if you want the pragmatic practical implications of grace in our lives individually or in our life as a community then we've got to give up our lives to be alive we've got to see others better than ourselves to live life in its fullness and the other voices just don't tell us that the Pharisees didn't And even the religious today maybe don't. The world certainly doesn't. It seems insane. It seems ridiculous. But it's the key. It's the key. The secret of the universe is that we've got to give up our lives to live life And life in all its fullness. Everything else that's an offer 
might be very nice, might make you very happy, but it won't bring life in all its fullness. And so we as a session, we as a congregation, have got to get ourselves to a place where we can work out how this makes itself alive in our mission, in our pastoral care, in our worship, and in our spiritual formation and discipleship. When we vote for a committee, we need to be thinking 10-10. Who are the people that are prepared to be peripheral visioners? Who are the ones that would be able to look after the financial, the fabric, all those other practical things that go on within our congregational life? Not just the 10 or 12 or whatever number of names it is that Patricia's told you that I'm unaware of at the moment, um, to put down, oh, they're quite nice. They're quite good. Let's prayerfully seek. Let's prayerfully seek. Because what happens in committee, what happens in the fabric, what happens in the finances, what happens in health and safety, what happens in all those things, just give us that foundation for what the shepherds of the flock and the session and the leaders of all the events and every one of you is a real priesthood of all believers. Believe me, that is what you are as a group of people can do to make sure that this is a place that seeks to live as individuals and as a community. 1010. Because the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life in all its fullness. Let's pray. Lord, there's even moments as we listen where we wonder about the reality of this truth. Am I living life in its fullness? And Lord, perhaps we have to ask your spirit to dig deep within our souls and our hearts and our minds so that we would be honest and that the truth might set us free by facing up to the truth of those things that are blocking us from living life in all its fullness. Yes, perhaps damage from others, brokenness, circumstances, crisis, but also maybe within our own arrogance, selfish ambition, the possibilities of what life has gifted us but has therefore distracted us. Perhaps, Lord, in a society and in a generation that has an awful lot of what looks like life, but which perhaps isn't, Lord, by your Spirit, shine a light into those dark corners. By your Spirit, give us courage to change. By your Spirit, transform us into people who live this life in its fullness, and therefore this life in its fullness spills out to the person in the pew beside us, to the person in the house beside us, 
to the person at the desk beside us, to the person who sleeps under our tower. Lord, may we be a community that finds this abundance of life in you. Because in doing so, we will worship. We will be missional. We will be pastoral. And we will desire spiritual formation and discipleship. Help us, Lord, to give up our lives to find life. In Christ's name, amen.